the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It is an act of faith for us to look through the trial and find encouragement in looking forward to see what God is going to accomplish by it. We're back with another edition of Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely. And we're returning, or he's returning, to his study in the book of James. Thanks for joining us today. We'll continue for the next couple of weeks in the book of James, one of the more misunderstood books, or at least debated books in the New Testament. I hope you have your Bible available and can follow along as Pastor Layton takes us through some very important concepts and understandings. I'll have more information about the church, Church of the Highlands, at the end of the broadcast. They're on the web at highlands.us. This is the second message in this uh, series dealing with the book of James, and Pastor Layton begins with just a little bit of background regarding the letters or the epistles found in the New Testament. Unlike the uh, letters of Paul, the Pauline epistles as they're called, th- those letters are addressed to their intended recipients, but the general epistles are named according to their author. First and second Peter by the Apostle Peter, first, second, third John by the Apostle John, Jude, and of course James. And James is not so much interested in a correct and precise verbal expression of our Christian faith as he is interested in in us living out our Christian faith. He wants to make Christians better Christians. And this introduction is found in the English Standard Version uh, of James, sometimes called the Proverbs of the New Testament. The book of James practically and faithfully reminds Christians how to live. From perseverance to true faith to controlling one's tongue, Submitting to God's will and having patience, this book aids readers in living authentically and wisely for Christ. Many have claimed that James and the Apostle Paul differed on the question of faith versus works, but in reality the spiritual fruit that James talks about simply demonstrates the true faith of which Paul wrote. Their writings are complementary rather than contradictory. It's considered the earliest writing of the New Testament era and very, very practical. And in the very beginning of his letter, James reminds his suffering brothers and sisters they should not be surprised when they encounter periods of testing. And he prepares, as he prepares them for the tests that are inevitable, he outlines for them and for us strategies in handling, in managing those times of trial. It reads, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the twelve tribes in the dispersion, uh, greetings. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be complete, perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. He says, count it all joy, consider it all joy when you meet trials, consider it all joy. And, and there are some who have taken this phrase and, and they have taught that we should thank God for bringing that illness or that injustice into our life, that cancer or whatever it is. But Spiros Zodihatis, the expert in language and Greek language, explains that the word count or consider should be translated think forward, uh, to consider forward, to consider the future. Endure now, rejoice later. In fact, 
That's what the writer of Hebrews gives, gives us as a perspective on Jesus' suffering. Uh, he writes, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. It says here, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. It says plainly that Jesus endured the cross. He wasn't enjoying that experience at all. It was something that he had to endure. Why did he do it? For the joy that was set before him, the joy that was on the other side of that crucifixion experience. He didn't focus as he was hanging on the cross on that experience alone, but he was looking at the big picture. And that's why I mentioned when we were together last how important it is for us to always keep the big picture in mind. The big picture is eternity with Jesus in heaven. Because if we narrow our focus on the immediate as we're going through times of trial and testing, we're going to be more prone to fall. But when we keep our eyes on the big picture, there is an inherent stability that helps us through those times of difficulty, those times of trial. Now, to consider trials as an occasion of joy requires faith. It is an act of faith for us to look through the trial and find encouragement in looking forward to see what God is going to accomplish by it. That is an act of faith. He says, consider it all joy when you meet trials. Uh, the word for meet is sometimes translated fall into, and uh, it, it's not meaning to yield to sin, but to encounter some circumstances that are unforeseen, unexpected, and unavoidable. It's the word that's used in Luke chapter 10 by Jesus when he's describing the story of the Good Samaritan, where a man was walking along the road and he fell into thieves. It's also mentioned in Acts chapter 27 when it talks about Paul's ship that fell into a sandbar and was shipwrecked. The trials, they arrive unexpectedly. They're unannounced, they're unlabeled, they're unwelcome, they ambush us. Now, they come in various kinds of colors. Uh, they can be persecution, they can be a loss of a job, they can be a divorce or trouble with the children and the family, severe financial strain, illness, death, relational problems over which we have uh, no control. And you'll notice here that James does not say if you meet trials, he says when you meet trials. When you meet trials. It's remarkable that so many Americans are under a false impression that when you become a Christian, trials should all of a sudden disappear. Pastor Dave Smith told me about a Christian lady in our church from another part of the world who found it strange that American Christians assume that God wants us to live comfortable, carefree lives. Underlying this paradigm is an assumption that God wants us to be happy. When, in fact, God wants us to be holy. And happiness is a byproduct of holiness. The holier we get, the happier we become. Now, the fact is, we live in a fallen world. It's filled with sin, it's filled with corruption, and sometimes bad things happen to good people. And when people have this assumption that Christianity is supposed to insulate them from troubles, when these difficulties come... They either doubt that they're really Christians at all, or they doubt that Christianity is real, because they've got a false uh, foundation. 
James said it's not a matter of if, but it's a matter of when. When you meet trials, each and every one of us is going to sooner or later experience difficulties. King James Version calls it diverse temptations, trials and temptations. Uh, it's the word parasmos, and it, and it has uh, two definitions. It, it, it speaks of outward trials and inward temptations. Um, in fact, uh, one of the authors suggests that in verses 2 through 12 of James chapter 1, it should be translated trials, and then in verses 13 through 18, it should be translated temptations, because at first he's talking about external trials, and then he's talking about internal trials. See, you see, God tries us, but Satan tempts us. God tries us, but Satan tempts us. God tries us to prove and purify our faith. Satan tempts us to weaken and destroy our faith. God sends trials and he permits temptations, as he did in the case of Job. God often tries us, but he never tempts us. It says we are tried with diverse trials. That means, the word literally means many color. They come in, these trials come in all kinds of colors. You see, we can be tried through poverty or through prosperity. Both can put us on trial. Through criticism as well as through praise. Through obscurity and also fame. We can be tried in sickness and we can be tried in health. We can be tried in failure and we can be tried in success. Trials come, as James says, in many colors. Parasmos, in terms of testing, is directed toward an end, that we should emerge from those trials stronger and pure. One of the Christian scholars writes, the Christian must expect to be jostled by trials on the Christian way. All kinds of experiences will come to us. There'll be a test of sorrows and the disappointments which seek to take our faith away. There'll be a test of the seductions which seek to lure us from the right way. There'll be a test of the dangers and sacrifices, the unpopularity which the Christian way so often involve. But they're not meant to make us fall. They're meant to make us soar. They're not meant to defeat us. They are meant to be defeated. They are not meant to make us weaker. They are meant to make us stronger. And therefore, we should not bemoan them. We should rejoice in them. The Christian is like the athlete. The heavier the course of training he undergoes, the more he is glad because he knows that it is fitting him all the better for victorious effort. You should be like those athletes. Do you know there are athletes who love to hang out at the gym? I obviously don't. <laughs> but there are people who do. You know, Christianity is a struggle. And, and I think about the struggle in terms of the butterfly, the metamorphosis of a butterfly. You know, I'm reminded that a butterfly doesn't start like a butterfly. It starts like a caterpillar, which quite frankly is a bit ugly. And it just crawls along the ground and it makes progress that you can measure in inches per hour. And then it goes into a cocoon and it emerges as a beautiful butterfly that flies and flutters about. 
and there's, there's little resemblance between the butterfly and the caterpillar from whence it came. And that metamorphosis requires struggle. Struggle is necessary for that metamorphosis to be successfully completed. When we come back with the next edition of Study Verse by Verse, Pastor Layton will elaborate on that illustration. This is a daily outreach from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. If you're a new listener, we're here on this station at this same time, Monday through Friday, and we would appreciate knowing that you are listening. You can share that fact with us when you go to the ministry website at studyversebyverse.com. That's studyversebyverse.com. You can download past broadcasts and listen again or listen for the first time to them. You can also join with us as a financial partner. We're a listener-supported ministry, and you can give safely at that website, studyversebyverse.com. You can find out more about Church of the Highlands on the website, highlands.us. That's highlands.us. We will come back tomorrow with more and then continue next week in the book of James. I do hope you can stay with us. I'm Mike Trout. Have a great rest of your day and join us tomorrow when we'll once again open the Word of God to the book of James and study verse by verse.